So we've been uh, going through Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel. Uh, we were going through Mark's Gospel uh, when we were on Zoom. And as we have returned, uh, Mark has been taking us through Galatians. Uh, and I've been uh, taking us through uh, a journey uh, through the Gospel of Mark. And we're in chapter 12. We're in chapter 12, and uh, uh, it's become somewhat of a mini-series within a series. So this will be the, I think, the fifth message uh, in chapter 12. So we're getting towards the end of the chapter, and uh, we'll be just doing a little bit of recap uh, and sort of overlap from last week. So that might be of some help to to some of you who are here for the first time or haven't been for a while and haven't been listening to this series. So if you'd like to turn to chapter 12 of Mark's Gospel, and I'm going to uh, uh, be reading uh, from uh, verse 35 to the end. So verses 35 uh, to the end. So Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, reading from verse 35. Then Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said at my at my to my to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go round in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make, a lo make long prayers, they will receive greater condemnation. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given into the treasury, for they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Well, may the Lord bless his word and the reading of his word to us at this morning. Now, if I've got a title, it might be this. And it, it's the triumphant redeemer, the triumphant redeemer. And I want to concentrate specifically today uh, on from verses 35 down to uh, verse 37. So just to recap on the previous message, uh, we, we uh, 
got to to consider last week uh, the uh, the scribe who comes uh, that and we read back of verse twenty nine who comes and asks Jesus. Jesus, uh, you if you're familiar with the passage, Jesus previously had been answering the Sadducees on the issue of the resurrection, and this young scribe. Uh, uh, comes forward and asks this question, uh, what is the greatest commandment? So we considered that last week. We considered this is the the final or third uh, question or encounter that the Lord has uh, with the religious leadership. So he's had the chief priests, he's had scribes, he's had Pharisees, he's had the Sadducees come to him wanting to uh, ask him a trick question to... to uh, get him in a place where they could accuse him of something or to get the better of him. And three times Jesus gets the better of them. We see, So we see this scribe of verse 29 coming. And this is what we considered last week. And we considered the response that Jesus gives him and the scriptures that he quotes. Uh, Jesus, uh, in chapter 12, in, in the various uh, encounters, quotes from the Old Testament. He quotes scripture and he correctly quotes scripture. This is what Jesus, uh, the Lord, is doing. So he there, uh, for this scribe, he takes the scribe back to chapter 6 of Deuteronomy and we see there what we, we call the Shema, uh, which is the Jewish confession of faith. And uh, Jesus uh, explains this is what the greatest commandment is and he gives two doesn't he 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 says that the greatest commandment is that you you shall love uh uh hero israel the lord our god is is one and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first and then he, uh, he quotes again from the Old Testament, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commands than, he, than these. And the scribe uh, responds wisely to Jesus. Uh, he re recognizes that Jesus is speaking the truth. And that in itself is an indictment uh, if that scribe is guilty of the things that Jesus is uh, 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 speaking about when he goes on to speak about the scribes, uh, but what we consider is that this this man was probably being sincere, and uh, Jesus acknowledges that, and so we have this uh, wonderful verse and statement that Jesus makes at verse thirty-four, when Jesus is acknowledging the response from the scribe by saying, "Well, you are you're not far from the kingdom of God." And so we thought about this, didn't we? Last week, uh, we were thinking about this idea of being near to the kingdom, but not there. Being near to the kingdom. And we thought about uh, the situation for this scribe, that he was grasping something. He was grasping something that perhaps his contemporaries weren't grasping, uh, but he wasn't quite there yet. And we thought, well, what... Does one need to get into the kingdom? What is required? Because when we think about it, we can't love God with all our heart, mind and soul, with all our strength, and love our neighbours as ourselves perfectly. 
and Jesus elsewhere, when we look at the Beatitudes in, in Matthew, Jesus says, you know, uh, uh, be, you know, be perfect as thy Father is perfect. And we know that uh, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we can't be perfect. We can't fulfill um, these commandments. And perhaps this, this scribe was, the, the penny was beginning to drop for this scribe and recognizing that. And so there's something that we need, there's something that he needed to, to get him uh, to the destination, into the kingdom. Perhaps his contemporaries thought because of their religious uh, observance, their, their outward uh, uh, adherence to ceremony, to the ceremonies and to uh, the moral laws, they thought it that they were in the kingdom. Perhaps the scribe is beginning to just, something's beginning to click with this, this scribe, and Jesus says, you're not far. Well, how do we get into the kingdom? So we thought about these things, and we thought that the uh, next section, which is what we're going to look at today briefly, uh, in the time that we have left, uh, perhaps provides the answer that Jesus is providing the answer uh, in verses 35 to verses 37, where we read, and I'll, I'll read for us again. Then Jesus answered and said, when he taught in the temple, and we know that there were many there, there were a multitude of people, ordinary folk, and probably scribes, and others as well, and perhaps some of the Sadducees were there still uh, within the crowd listening to Jesus. Uh, and there Jesus is saying, saying this, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord sit, said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David himself calls him Lord, how is he then his son? So the Lord Jesus is, uh, after talking to this scribe and, 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 and dealing with, with his question, and that's now the last of these confrontations in what we call the temple discourse, Jesus then puts this out. He goes on, in a sense, on the offensive. Jesus is now ask, answer, asking the questions. Jesus is now uh, uh, speaking, and there's all these these folk around him, uh, and Jesus has put this question, referring back to Psalm 110. How is it uh, that you know there's the scribes and they, and they believe that Jesus that that uh, uh, what is being spoken of in Psalm 110 is 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 uh, yes is the son of David, and then he quotes. He quotes from that, that psalm, and we're going to have a look at that psalm and see how maybe, well, as we do, we can uh, get a picture of what might be the answer for this scribe, this scribe who might be still there listening to all of this, that might answer his que questions, and maybe the, the emerging um, urgency that might be in his heart that he isn't in the kingdom, that there is something that he needs, or there is someone that he he needs. He's, he's near to the kingdom, but he's not 
is not there. And we can apply this to our own lives as well. And we can uh, seriously ask these questions of ourselves. So let us uh, return to, to the specific section now. And I'm going to uh, uh, take us to verse 35. So it's, it's, it was accepted by the, scribe, the Jewish scribes at that time that King David was indeed uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Messiah. And uh, there are Jewish rabbinical traditions holding to that conclusion. There might be modern day Jewish objections, uh, but the evidence is there that Jewish people down the centuries have believed that Psalm 110 was messianic. And so let's perhaps just turn to Psalm 110, uh, and I shall read it for us. There's only seven verses, so it's not uh, not a long uh, psalm. And so this is Psalm 110, just to create some context for us this morning. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy en thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. The people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. So Jesus is uh, uh, quoting from this verse. He's putting out this question uh, to, to the folk there, and particularly for the benefit of the scribes for them to think really about their own uh, interpretation of the scriptures and really he, what he's wanting to really point to is himself so Jesus is speaking here of himself he's, he's wanting to say here is, here is David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as, as he says here verse 36 He's, he's inspired by the Holy Ghost uh, to, to write um, the, this psalm. And elsewhere we see in the Old Testament, David is, is called the sweet psalmist. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, he is regarded as a seer, as a prophet. So Jesus is, is reminding them, David, King David, the psalmist, who is writing prophetically, here in Psalm 110, under the inspiration of the Spirit, who is he? Who, who is he speaking of? How is it uh, that uh, the Messiah is a, just simply a descendant, a son, a descendant of the Davidic line, if you like? Who is Jesus pointing out to here? William Hendrickson. Uh, a commentator, I think I'm not sure if he's with us uh, now, uh, but uh, he says this, that Jesus, that, that in the psalm, uh, 
the Lord, that is the Yahweh, is promising the mediator. He's promising this mediator such preeminence, power, authority, and majesty as would be proper for only one who is, uh, as to his person, from all eternity, was and is and forever will be God. So Jesus is referring back to the psalmist, he's Psalm 110, and we know, we know that it, this is a messianic psalm, and we know that it is speaking about Jesus, and this is what uh, the Lord is doing. He's, he's quoting this psalm, and he's wanting to use it so that he can speak of himself. He's referring to himself, the triumphant Redeemer. And it is a psalm of triumph. And as we see in, in Psalm 110, it is speaking about a person who, who will have power, who will have a, a judgment, and who will have victory, victory over his enemies. So we see this person in this psalm as the one who has power. Peter, in his Pentecost sermon, quotes from Psalm 110. And uh, uh, you can turn to it if you would like. So that's Acts chapter 2. There's Jesus at Pen uh, Peter is at Pentecost. And uh, I want to specifically home in on verses 34 and 35, but reading from verse 29... That might help us get some uh, context there. So this is Peter in Acts 2. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise, for he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So there, for Peter, Peter um, is using this psalm. Peter has experienced the Lord uh, go to the cross and, 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 and his resurrection and uh, his ascension, his going into glory. He had been a witness of all of that. Uh, he had been transformed. And here he is now, Acts 2, uh, the, the birth of the church, he's, he's in his sermon and he's ref, uh, referring to this for his, his audience there. 
uh, at Acts 2. And he's, he's for him, this is uh, the person in Psalm 110 fulfilled. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the triumphant Redeemer. And secondly, we, we see from the psalm that he is the one who will judge. He is the one who will judge. So verses uh, 2 down to 6. The Lord sent the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. He will be the one that will bring uh, judgment. Verse 6. He will judge among the heathen. So Jesus will he has that has given that judgment and he will do this. So this is what Jesus in the sense is implying about himself uh, there in in the temple. And he is the one that is going to defeat death. And this is something that, that Jesus had already covered with the, the, the Sadducees um, uh, when they came with their question about uh, the resurrection. This Messiah is going to be the one that's going to defeat death. And we can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You might be uh, familiar with that passage. Uh, 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 25 and 26. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And that's, that, that's a wonderful truth to hold on to. So the, 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 the wisdom of, of, of Jesus' day among the religious readers was, well, this is the Messiah. He's going to be, he's, he's going to be obviously a man, an earth, you know, a, an earthly creature, a man like, like ourselves, Descended from the line of, of David, but nothing more. Jesus is wanting to really expound that psalm, and to really, it's kind of like the icing of the cake in, in this, this kind of uh, section of discourses with, with these religious rulers, and they all need to really hear what Jesus is saying. He's now saying, this is who, in a sense implying, this is who I am. He is the one who is going to defeat death. He's the one who's going to defeat death. And that is good news for us, isn't it? He's the one who has indeed defeated death. And he is the one who is eternal. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13. Uh, again, reading from verse 8. But unto the Son, he says, Thy throne of God is forever and ever. A sceptre of righteousness is the sceptre of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall all wax old as a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years will not fail. But to which of the angels at any time sit, has said he at any time, sit at my right hand, 
until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Are they not ministering spirits sent to minister to them who will be heirs, heirs of salvation? So this uh, uh, law that, that uh, Jesus is referring to here the, in, in the psalm, this Adonai of David is the one who has power, the one who will judge, the one who's going to defeat death, and the one who is eternal. And it's, it's, it's those qualities and, and qualifications that we need for a Redeemer to redeem us from the power of sin. That's what we need. We need uh, one who has those qualities and those qualifications. And Christ has those qualities and qualifications. And of course the, the Pharisees and the, and the scribes and the chief priests they didn't see this. They, they had a way of interpreting the scriptures, but Jesus was there uh, to, to point to the, the true reality, the true reality of, of, of the scriptures, the true reality of what true religion was about. It was at heart religion. And that's crime. But there in verse 29, uh, as he's speaking and discoursing with Jesus, perhaps the pen is beginning to grasp, he's beginning to grasp it what real religion is, is like. And Jesus here is really um, uh, exposing the false teaching of the Pharisees uh, and the religious leaders of the day. And then he goes on, as we, we see um, from verse 38, to expose their fruit. They, they, uh, there was an old preacher I once knew who used to say, well, that you will know them by their fruit, not their suits. Obviously, some of us have got suits on today, and uh, that's a customary practice. Uh, but what God looks for is, is spiritual fruit. And the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the Herodians, all these to, to, to a man, uh, had false, they had false the teaching, they weren't uh, feeding the people spiritually, um, and the, the fruit wasn't there. And they weren't living according to the spirit, the original spirit uh, and tenor of the law. And Jesus is exposing that here. But I think we'll, we'll leave that uh, 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 warning about the scribes uh, till next time where well, we uh, come back and we'll consider the widow and her two mites. So just in summary, the Lord Jesus is more than just a man descended from the line of King David. He is the very Messiah who is God manifest in the flesh for us. He is the one, the religious and the common people, who, as we were told, listened to him gladly, must acknowledge and submit to, and to turn to, and to flee to. Uh, but as we see, uh, the religious leaders were so hardened in their hearts, uh, and the Lord gives this warning, beware of the scribes. Dear friends, let us seek this triumphant Redeemer that we see 
who was prophesied about by this, the, 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 the King David all those years before in Psalm 110. Looking forward to that coming of this triumphant Redeemer who would deal with sin, who would deal with death. Let us seek that Redeemer for ourselves. Let us be people who are willing in the day of his power. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you used the word of God perfectly when you were dealing with those who came to oppose you, that you exposed their, their false beliefs and their hypocrisy. Father, you uh, pointed the way to true what true religion is all about, about loving God perfectly, about loving uh, uh, our God and Creator with all our might, our, 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 our hearts and souls, our strength with everything, uh, and loving others. And Lord, we know in our own strength, in our own flesh, we cannot do this. We need you. And we need this triumphant Redeemer uh, to uh, uh, deal with, with our greatest problem of sin and to uh, bring us into that kingdom. Father, we may be near, and some of us may be near this morning, and we need to, to uh, uh, make that uh, step of faith and to come to you, to flee to you for mercy that you might cover us with your righteousness, that you might uh, redeem us and uh, cleanse us and renew us. Father, we pray if, if we're perhaps struggling and we're weary this morning, help us to uh, uh, turn to you afresh, to have a, a fresh vision of who you are, that you are indeed this triumphant redeemer, this mediator this one who is going to indeed uh, deal with all the, the spiritual enemies of God and God's people, that you're going to, uh, one day, death is going to be completely defeated. It's going to be under your feet. Uh, and there's, and then one, one day for God's people, there's going to be no more death. And we're going to be with you forever. The triumphant Redeemer. Lord, help us to grasp these things. And Lord, we, we commend uh, our, our time together the, the rest of this day and as we, we consider the coming week, Lord, that you would uh, go before us and Lord, that you would make some of the, these truths and uh, uh, realities about yourself uh, more clear to each and every one of us. Amen.